prepare. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I mean, that's just, it's just a different world. But us here, you know, little flakes, a little snow, hey, doesn't bother us. We're good to go, right? Well, hey, I'm glad you're here today. I'm Pastor Troy, and uh, we just think that God wants to do a really amazing thing in you, and so hopefully that'll take place today. Uh, so let's pray, and then there's some things I want to jump in and, and get going here. Lord, we love you, and we thank you, God, for what you're doing at Southridge. God, we thank you that, Lord, you brought exactly the right people here this morning that need to be here. Lord, nothing's a mistake. There's a divine appointment in this room right now with you. And so, Lord, help us to have ears to hear and eyes to see and a heart to receive that your will would be done in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to encourage you, if you uh, haven't already noticed or, or, or paid attention to your handout, that we're doing something that we did last year that really was a, kind of a cool thing during December, and it's our big give. You know, we talked about in the last series about being be in the church, not just going to the church. You know, don't just go to church, be the church. And so I want to encourage you to be a part of the Big Give this month. And it's a thousand cans and a thousand meals. A thousand cans for the uh, Bellevue Food Pantry and then a thousand meals for Open Door Mission. And so if you haven't picked one up, you know, maybe you can do 10 meals or 100 meals or whatever. Last year, we made it and just, just surpassed those numbers. This year, I kind of think we can do a lot more than that. So bring some canned goods and uh, make an make a, a investment in Open Door Mission in the meals that are paid for down there. You can kind of see the tree and all that good stuff. So good deal. You know, this uh, last weekend, uh, Jennifer and I, or actually last week, we, we got the opportunity to go out and hang out with family in San Diego. The weather was okay. You know, I think one day it did get down to 68 during the day. It was kind of a bummer, you know, we survived, you know, but we were out there and, and the whole reason we try to do the family is around this whole Black Friday thing. Any, uh, any Black Friday shoppers out there? All right. Yeah. And I'm glad you admit that because I want to pray right now that God, <laughs> so, somehow, you know, but here's, I just got to share just a little quick little picture. I don't go Black Friday shopping. I, I just, it, it, it sends me into an anxiety attack. I mean, it just, the idea of even trying to get into the parking lot just starts freaking me out, you know? And so I don't go. And so this year, you know, we have two grandsons. Uh, they're about a year old. And so the idea was that I would stay behind and watch the boys. What an idea, right? I'm thinking, okay, that's cool. Well, at the last second, my son-in-law decided to stick around with me which was really good because they both woke up screaming bloody murder, right? We're talking the mad, I mean, they, and, and bonking their heads. And every time I tried, and my arm was bad, I couldn't care. I'm thinking, man, he is so glad he's here. And for about 30 minutes, it was, it was chaotic. And then in the middle of it, John, my son-in-law, goes, and he goes, hey, where's the dog at? I said, I don't know where the dog is. They have this English bulldog, right, this, you know, big thing. I said, I don't know. I haven't seen it for a couple hours, you know. And so he goes out, and he looks, and the gate's wide open. And it's gone, right? I'm thinking, man, this is crazy. So the kids are screaming. The dog has run away. I'm like, wow, this, I should have went Black Friday shopping, <laughs> you know. It was funny. And here's what's funny about it. So he went out and looked. At, and this just cracks me up. He went out looking for the dog, and he asked some neighbor, hey, have you seen the dog? And they live on the base out there. And he goes, 
uh, have you seen an English bulldog? And the guy goes, yeah, actually, I just seen, his mug, seen her mugshot on Facebook. <laughs> I'm like, what? This whole neighborhood has a Facebook thing. So they took a snapshot of this dog with the ears like, I'm lost. Somebody find me. <laughs> And they went and found the dog. I mean, it was like crazy. So, I mean, it's, it's just a weird little 30, 40 minutes period of time. Anyway, I had nothing to do with anything. I just thought I'd share that with you, all right? Anyway. Well, today we're going we're gonna to jump into, and I heard Brent did a great job last week in kicking off this series, Traveling Light, you know, talking about unforgiveness. Today we're going to talk about bitterness. Uh, you know, so here's kind of the background of what we're talking about here or the reason. For many, uh, the holiday season can be a heavy time. You know, I mean, a lot of times, you know, Christmas is not a happy moment. It's kind of a bummer, you know, and, and, and I, 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 I wrestle with that personally. You know, it just kind of gets, a, it becomes this heavy time, and, and the weight of life and the weight of relationships gone bad, and, and just life situations all seem to kind of come to a head during the holidays for a lot of people. And so it, it, it's, it's really important that we learn to travel light, you know, trying to figure out how, to, how do we let go of some of that stuff so we can actually be what God wants us to be in the midst of that. And so our goal is to set a new course for our life as we learn how to get rid of the things that weigh us down, to get rid of the things that weigh us down, you know, and, and to really just learn how to lighten the load. And there's a key verse of Scripture, and I encourage you to read this again and again, and kind of just let it sink in a little bit, if you can, this month. It's found in Ephesians chapter 4, and it says this. It says, since you have heard about Jesus, and so here's, the, and let me just pause right there. Since you've heard about Jesus, in other words, since you kind of have a perspective that has a Christian, God created me for a purpose perspective, that he's forgiven me, that maybe he's got this grand story and idea. Since that, okay, it goes on and talks about this next things here. You, and have learned the truth that comes from him. Throw off your old sinful nature. In other words, get rid of the baggage. Get rid of that which is kind of heavy and weighing you down. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes and put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. And then jumping down to verse 31, it says, Get rid of all bitterness anger, uh, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. I mean, he says, just get rid of everything that weighs you down. Just get rid of it. Just throw it away, right? And he said, instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you, which, by the way, that last little phrase is really the whole bedrock of why we try to do this in the first place, is God has treated us a certain way. Let's try to figure out how to treat those around us the same way. Let's try to, let's try to re reflect this thing that God's doing in us. And so that's our, our, our key verse, and I encourage you to jump in there and really let that sink in. So here's the deal. The Christian journey that you and I are on, or maybe you're just exploring right now, is a long walk. It's not, it's not a sprint. It's, it's a long walk. I mean, it's one of those things where, you know, if you ever walked a long ways and you kind of like, man, this has taken a while to get here. That's the Christian journey. It's, 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 that's, that's just kind of how it is. You know, it just takes a while, hopefully a lifetime of growing and going and moving forward in what you're supposed to be with Christ. And so this long walk, and there are things along the way that can easily weigh us down and keep us from experiencing the great things that God wants us to experience. And so with this, this weight idea that somehow I'm weighted down or I'm burdened, if you will, with the things that really God never intended for me to carry. 
And because of that, he's, he's constantly trying to get us, hey, since you have this relationship, since you have this opportunity and freedom in Christ, somehow figure out how to throw off or get rid of the things that weigh you down and begin to travel light. That's, that's the whole concept of this series. Now, there's two perspectives that are important to have on this journey, all right? And here, and here they are. I don't think they're in your notes. Maybe you want to write them down. The first one is this is I need to have a perspective that I understand this deeply, that I'm just passing through this thing called life right now. This thing that I'm part of, it, Scripture talks about us being aliens and foreigners, about how this is just for a temporary stopping point or a transition point to the big show, which is called eternity. And so somehow I've got to get a perspective that helps me understand I'm just passing through. And so I need to make the most of how I travel. I need, to, I need to consider that. The second idea or the second perspective is don't carry anything that weighs you down. Don't carry anything that weighs you down. Don't, don't, don't get used to it. Don't get comfortable with it. Don't allow it to be a part of who you are because there's something great that God wants to do through you and in you as you journey through this thing called life that's temporary and for a while. God wants to do some cool things, but don't let yourself get weighed down. There's a scripture in Hebrews 12 that says this, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And so once again, this whole idea of cr the Christian journey is figuring out what to get rid of and what's, what's holding me back and what's weighing me down and trying to figure out how to, how to travel light. But here's, here's the issue. Too many of us are burdened on a journey, on this journey of life, because we are carrying a lot of extra baggage. And I'm not talking about baggage like weight, you know. I'm talking about emotional, spiritual, relational baggage, Okay. And so a lot of us are carrying that. So let me just, a couple fill in the blanks there on your notes. The effects of carrying extra baggage and not traveling light. First one is this. When we carry extra baggage, it makes us exhausted. It makes us exhausted. And some of us today, you might be here right now and you're on the brink of exhaustion. I mean, you just, I mean, every breath is a heavy breath, you know, in, in life. Every, every step is a hard step. I mean, and, and, I, and I understand that because sometimes I've been there where I'm just, I'm just exhausted, not just physically, but emotionally, spiritually, mentally, and we're just exhausted. And see, carrying extra bags makes us exhausted because we've been dragging around the same bags for a long time. Jennifer, we went to that trip out to San Diego this week, and she knew that we were going Black Friday shopping, so she took an extra bag, Right? It makes sense to me, take an extra bag. But the bag that she chose, we have 20, 30 different bags in our closet. And they all have wheels, and they all have handles. And they're really easy to pull. We have one bag, though, that doesn't have wheels and is heavy and hard to carry. You know which one she chose? That's the one. So you know who was lugging the 40-year-old bag through the airport? I'm thinking, what do we buy? Rocks? I mean, what, what's going on here? You know, but it just makes us exhausted. We're dragging those things. That's, that's a picture of what happens to us. And, and really what happens is it just takes its toll on us. It, it, just, it, it just affects us. And it, and it feels like, and maybe this is you today, it feels like if, if one more thing would happen, we would collapse under the pressure. That's what it feels like sometimes. Because that's what the effect of extra baggage does. Here's, here's another one. Carrying extra bags slows us down. Slows us down. 
You know, I mean, there's, there's a pace I think God wants each of us to have that, that is appropriate, right? Some of us, we go way too fast. But a lot of us, because we're carrying around this extra baggage, these things that hinder, we're really slowed down and, and can't move forward. You know, and, and I just, you know, my notes here, do you ever feel like you're just barely moving forward? Or like life is not going anywhere and you're constantly struggling with the same struggle again and again and again and again? Like, you're just not going anywhere. It's just not, you're not moving. It's just like in slow motion. And it might be because you're carrying extra baggage that you need to get rid of. It just slows us down. Here's another one. Is that carrying extra baggage limits us. It limits us. In other words, we can't seem to become who we were created to be or who we knew we could be, become. I mean, because of this, I can't get there. Because, because of this, the things that I'm carrying, the luggage that I'm carrying, I, I, I can't seem to travel light enough to get where God wants me to be. And I keep grabbing it or I keep picking it up and I keep carrying it and it just keeps messing up and it's limiting to me to who I need and want to be and who God wants me to be. And so those are some of the things that happen. So our prayer during this whole series is, is a pretty simple prayer. We, we, we've been praying this as a staff and, and just as a prayer team. Say, hey, Lord, would you stir in us? A, a willingness to lighten the load. Would you stir in us this desire that says, I, I don't want to be like this anymore. I don't want to carry the same things. I don't want to be in the same place a year from now, especially during the holidays. Lord, help me to have a willingness to lighten the load and let go of the things that weigh me down. That somehow that would happen in, in our midst. And so that's our prayer. So today, we're going to focus on one of the things that weighs a lot of us down. And it's bitterness. Bitterness. Now, bitterness is a funky thing. Here's why bitterness is such a funky thing. It affects almost everybody, but it's hardly acknowledged in anybody. Okay? It's a funky thing like that because it affects almost everybody, but it's hardly acknowledged in anybody. I mean, it's got, it's got this dynamic, and it's connected to last week's message. It's connected to unforgiveness. It's connected to that. And this bitterness thing is that one thing that, that weighs us down, that's hard to acknowledge and discover in ourselves, because many times it's just below the surface of our own awareness. It's just below the surface of who we are. And maybe even the people around us, sometimes they can sense bitterness. At, at that point, by the way, usually when you can sense bitterness, it's big. But it always seems like it's just kind of brewing. There's something happening inside of it. And it's directly connected. And by the way, nobody wants to be bitter. I mean, I don't think, you know, show of hands, who wants to be bitter? Man, we need to pray again. Lord, I pray for that person right over there. No. I mean, just, just this idea that nobody wants that. We don't, we don't get up in the morning and go, man, I want to be bitter today. I can't wait to be bitter. It's just not part of who we are. Matter of fact, we, we would like to shy away from the thought that we might be bitter. And so it's kind of a hard thing to get a hold of. So let's try to understand it, understanding bitterness. What, what is bitterness? And there's a scripture in Hebrews chapter 12 that, that I think really gives us a, a little snapshot, if you will, of understanding bitterness. And here's what it says. It says, see to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up and to cause trouble and defile many. Now, in this context, what he's talking about in Hebrews chapter 12 is this idea of unbelief. But, but it, it applies to all the different areas at the same time. I mean, he's talking about, hey, don't let this unbelief thing get a hold of you and become this bitterness. So he was talking about it in relationship with God, but it applies to so many different areas of who we are and where we're at in life. 
So, so let's just try to understand it together. Here's, here's the first thing, understanding bitterness. Bitterness is a root that is below the surface. Bitterness is a root that grows below the surface. It's, it's, a root is a source, and, and it starts, here's how the start of bitterness happens. There is a seed of offense that is planted in my heart. In other words, somebody offended me. And because of that offense, now there is this seed or this opportunity for bitterness to grow and develop its roots and become a part of who I am. And, and here's, how, here's what it means. It starts as a seed of offense that has not been dealt with properly. And as a result, it is, I mean, it is the result of unforgiveness and bitterness festers under the surface. Festers. There's this growing, this developing thing that is happening under the surface who we are. And, and so, for example, the mentioning of a person or a thought or a situation that brings about the fence once again brings up, and this is the definition, a thing like a prick in my heart. Or, or a sharpness or a cutting. There's this idea that you mention, well, when you mention their name, ooh. When you mention that situation, ooh. And I might not do that physically, you might not know that, but somehow in my heart, that's what's happening. That there's this root in there, that that seed is just kind of growing, and there's this little bit of life of this negative bitterness thing that's happening. And, and, and there's this prick or this sharpness when the situation of the per person gets mentioned. Here's a word that describes bitterness, and I love it. It's pungent. <laughs> you know what pungent is? I was thinking about, what's pungent? It's when you leave your milk jug in the, in the refrigerator, for like three months, right? And then you go to grab it, you shake it around a couple times, you open the lid, and you go, ooh, that's pungent. <laughs> right? I mean, that's the idea that's happening, that somehow this is happening in my heart, and there's this root that's taking place that has that. And because of bitterness, it reveals itself in, first of all, in, in the first place, in our spirit, in our heart, because it's growing there. Okay, so it's a root. Second thing is this. Bitter people are typically hurting people. Bitter people are typically hurting people. And, and because they are missing the grace of God, which is part of that text. There's, there hasn't been the healing that needs to take place. There hasn't been the forgiveness that needs to take place. And so they're hurting people. You know, and there's typically, there's usually three ways that people are hurt. By what is done to us. You know, somebody did that to me. Unfair or not. Doesn't, doesn't really mean anything either way you know we're betrayed or accused or by what is said about us you know I mean sometimes those are the ones that hurt the worst aren't they somebody said that about us true or not you know somebody somebody you know betrayed us or, or or said something that just cut to the heart of who we are and it hurt us and in the midst of that hurting the bitterness has an opportunity to grow and so bitter people are typically hurting people and then not only by what is said about about us by what is but also by what is taken from us so but what is done to us what is said to us or about us and what is taken from us and and in that is this hurting thing that takes place and so bitter people here's what happened because of that because i'm hurting bitter people have a really really hard time to be happy and hopeful that somehow it's going to be better and that starts to capture my heart and who I am, where I'm at. Let's keep going, trying to understanding bitterness. Bitterness allowed to grow leads to complaining. Leads to complaining. See, bitterness over time will cause you to complain or murmur 
about your wife. Your, your wife. Sorry, honey, I did, that was a slip. <laughs> oh, that's good. Anyway, bitterness over time will cause you to complain or murmur about your life. I mean, you're just, you just get that, that complaining thing that catches up to you. And, and a lot of times what happens is you begin to blame others for your situation. You begin to blame. And so there begins to be this constant replaying of your heart that says, my problems, my heart, my disappointment are all their fault. And as a result, there emerges some form of verbal attack. Somehow, because of bitterness, and this is when it starts to show up in the outside, because it's already been growing because it's a root, but now it's beginning to reveal itself in the outside of who I am. And the way it comes out is out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, and there's this complaining or there's this murmuring, or, you know, like next week we're going to talk about being critical. And all these things come alive in me because this is growing under the surface. Things like disgust, that we get disgusted with somebody, and we have that kind of thing. It's that disgust thing, or, or maybe it moves forward from there, not just to disgust. It's something that's in me, and maybe you don't even say it, but now there's daggers. It's like, you know, and you, you say things, and you kind of, well, I'm going to get them with this. I'm going to say that. I'm going to hurt them, and there's daggers. Or it turns inwardly, and it becomes depression. But somehow, this bitterness has this effect upon us that makes it happen. There's, there's actually a text, uh, Job, if you ever read the story of Job, Job lost his wife, his family, his possessions, everything, because God was allowing him to suffer. And in the midst of all the suffering, which God indirectly was part of, he, he begins to get to this point where he's complaining because that's the natural flow when bitterness is allowed to go. It says in Job 10, verse 1, I am disgusted with my life. Let me complain freely. My bitter soul must complain. And so a lot of times if we understand that our complaining might be directly connected to a root or a seed that is growing, a bitterness that's within us, somehow I've got to recognize that that might be happening. Here's another one. Bitterness stirs up within us animosity. Animosity, it causes trouble. It causes trouble. We become full of resentment. We begin to wish or hope harm upon a person. You know, we say things maybe not verbally, but in our hearts it says, I hope they fail. I hope they fall down, smash their face, and just it blow. I hope their business crashes. I mean, you know, whatever it might be. I hope they fail. And because there's this animosity that begins to stir in us, and, and, and here's another side of animosity is we distance ourselves. I don't want to be a part of them. So we walk, we'll walk on the other side of the street. We'll avoid this person or that situation. And so because of animosity, I distance myself. I put up barriers. I put up walls. I do all those things because of bitterness, because of animosity. And then, look, excuse me, and then what happens, this is where bitterness easily becomes things like hatred and anger and rage. And this is where bitterness becomes deadly. It's kind of scary. I came across a funny little story. It said, said a very bitter woman was bitten by a rabid raccoon. Cool, right? You know, it serves her right. You know, she got bit by this raccoon, went to the doctor, told the doctor what happened about, hey, this raccoon jumped up, bit me, you know. And so they had to do all these tests to figure out if she had rabies. So they do the test, they do the test, they come back and they find out that the, sure enough, the very bitter woman had rabies. And immediately when the doctor told her, you have rabies, 
we need to do something about it. She pulls out a piece of paper and just starts writing as fast as she can write. And he's thinking, well, you're not going to die. Are you writing a will or something? He goes, oh. She goes, no, I'm not writing a will. I'm writing a list of names of the people that I'm going to bite. <laughs> That's the only thing you'll remember today. <laughs> Animosity. Animosity. Last one, and then we'll get to how to get over this thing. Bitter people often make other people bitter. Bitter people often make other people bitter. It says in our text, excuse me, they defile many. In other words, there's, there's something about bitterness that is contaminated, and it contaminates others. I mean, it's this idea that, that my complaining actually begins somebody else's complaining. <laughs> this idea that my anger stirs somebody else's anger. My resentment stirs somebody else's resentment. That somehow in me, in this bitterness, that I have this real potential of being a contaminant. As a matter of fact, the scripture talks about it as being poison. See, the spread, and it's spread by an attitude of the heart or it's spread by word of mouth. And it's contagious. And Deuteronomy 29 says this, Make sure there is no root among you that produces such bitter poison. This idea that somehow it's, it's going to defile many. So I've got to understand this about bitterness. So how do we get rid of it? How do we get rid of bitterness? And, and really, I, just, I have three things today I think that are really practical and I think make sense. And here, here they are. Number one is this. If I'm going to get rid of bitterness, I've got to somehow admit it. I've got to admit it. Several years ago, I had... Uh, I had uh, i got to be careful I have to say this. They might listen to the tape or the CD. Um, I had a situation where I was working with somebody, and in the midst of working with them, I could start to tell that, that I wasn't given opportunities like I thought I was going to get opportunities. And, and over time, I, I would ask them. I would say, hey, um, why, why, why am I not given this opportunity to maybe speak with this group of people or whatever? And, and I, I just kind of blew it off. I didn't think a whole lot about it. And then as time went on, well, a couple years later, I mean, it, it kind of came to a head, and we parted ways, and, and it was kind of, you know, it, it didn't feel right, and then, and then I met with him, I, and, and I just told him, I said, you know what, I, I felt like for two or three years when we were working together, that every time we were working, you were always, you know, not being truthful with me, you know, and that you were kind of doing something that didn't feel right, and, and, and he goes, yeah, we, we made a conscious decision to minimize your involvement in the whole process. And, I, and when he said that, that seed went, I mean, I felt it. I felt it just, I mean, it was already there, but I didn't know it. But, man, it was like water. And I was like, if I would have been back in my old days, I would have said, man, we need to step outside, and we're going to finish this right now. You know? But, but I realized there was something grown in me. And, and here's what happened. For, and Jennifer and I talked about it. I think she had, because she has more bitterness than I have, she just kind of grabbed a hold of this thing and ran with it and did, you know. But I realized that there was something growing in me, but I wouldn't admit it. And it took me probably about a year to two years before I could finally admit, hey, I've got some bitterness here. I've got some bitterness in my heart, and I need to admit it, because I can't get past it if I can't admit it. I can't let go of it if I can't find to come to the grips in my own heart that there's something growing in me that's not right. And so I have to admit this. And so admitting that I might have bitterness is the first step. And here's a couple thoughts. Don't accept a victim mentality because that will keep you from admitting it. 
You know, don't take that passive approach. Oh, well, you know, kuna matata, you know, whatever, because it silently grows still if I don't just admit it. Or, or don't allow denial to rob you of the opportunity for freedom because many of us has got, have gotten really good at denying what's going on inside us. It, it doesn't matter. You know, we, we say that to ourselves and we become masters of denial. And the question is, do I need to admit it? Do I need to admit that I'm blaming others for my situation? Do I need to admit that I have feelings of resentment or anger towards a situation or a person? Do I, need to re, do I need to admit that there is animosity in me towards a certain person or situation? I hope they fail. That there's something in me that's not right. Do I need to admit that? And here's an interesting thought about admitting it or coming clean with it. Is that often our struggle to admit bitterness is hidden behind the veil of pride. And here's what it sounds like. Didn't bother me. Anybody ever said that? <laughs> Didn't bother me. I was offended, didn't bother me. You said that, but something was totally different inside. You said that, but something was growing in, on the inside that was radically different than what the words were coming out of your mouth because there was pride that was said, ah, I'm bigger than this, I'm not going to let it affect me. But still something was growing. Or, or didn't bother me. Or here's, here's another one. I really don't care. I really don't care. You just act like it blows it off, but it, it does. And it's, and it's growing. There's something going on inside there. So, I, so pride will keep us from dealing with the truth. Here's Psalm 139, I think is a great verse to apply right here. It says this, David crying out, says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. In other words, Lord, help me to admit it. Help me to admit it. Here's the second thing. You know, I have no idea what time it is. Can you help me here? Thank you. You're probably wondering, what, why is he asking for that? I, I have this clock up here, just to give you a heads up, that tells me where we're at in service because we're kind of on a time lo- line here. So for some reason, it's blank. But anyway, don't worry. It's okay. I got it. Um, so attack, attack it is the next one, attack it, that bitterness is, is like a dangerous and deadly weed that grows in our hearts, and so we have to attack it, I mean, we can't just low well, I, I hope it goes away kind of thing, you know, to remove the weed, I have to get at the root of what's going on, I, it won't just go away, I have to attack it, and there's two ways, there's a lot of ways, but there's two major ways that we can attack bitterness, and here they are, the first one is this is that I need to allow the Holy Spirit to renew my thoughts and attitudes about a situation. It's in our text, our, our main text in Ephesians. That instead, allow the Holy Spirit to renew your thoughts and attitudes. See, that's key, because somehow I've got to get to the point when something happens and somebody offends me, because if every time somebody offends me, I react the wrong way, every time I'm going to find myself in a bitter place. So somehow, something's got to change. I've got to, instead of react, I need to act. And the only way I can act the right way is somehow I've got to think the right way about what's going on. So I can't look at every time it doesn't go my way, and it's not fair, and it's not right, and somebody doesn't do the thing that I think they should do, or something gets taken from me, that somehow I've got to act the right way. And the only way I can get that is I allow the thoughts and the attitudes of the Spirit to begin to control how I think. So I've got to reprogram that part of who I am. To, and so we need to be reprogrammed by the Holy Spirit to think differently. The second part of this, and this is huge, 
is that we need to go on offense in this whole process. So the offended need to go offensive. And you're like, that's what I'm talking about. (laughs) We're going to go after. I'm not talking about eye for eye. (laughs) All right? I'm not talking about, hey, they did that to you. Go get them. I'm not talking about going offensively attacking it, but doing something radically different. And this is what Jesus talked about all the time. Matthew chapter 5, he says, love your enemies, bless those who curse you. You're like, what in the world is that? I mean, when it comes to bitterness, and here's the answer, the most powerful bitterness killer of all time is grace. Is grace. So somehow, some way, in the midst of my situation, God, first of all, I need your grace. Secondly, I've got to figure out how to give grace to the people around me. Somehow this has got to take place because if not, this bitterness that is growing in me, that is causing all these problems, it's going to consume me. I have to learn how to travel light somehow, some way. So we have to go on offense and, and love our enemies and bless those who curse, curse us. First Peter chapter 3, I love this verse, or these verses, two verses here. It says, finally, all of you should be of one mind, sympathize with each other. You know what that means? It means I recognize that I'm weak and you're weak, and that's just who we are, so we got to deal with it. I recognize that, that, that I sympathize with your weakness, and hopefully you sympathize with my weakness. That, that's part of it. And then it says, love each other as brothers and sisters. How many of you ever had a brother or sister that highly offended you, and you still liked them? Somebody you need to raise your hand the second time, too. I mean, they're, they're my brother. They're, they're my sister. I mean, I, 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 they're family. I, ca- I can't do that to them. I have to love them because they're part of me. They're part of who I am as a person. And it goes, be tenderhearted and keep a humble attitude. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Don't react. Act according to what the Spirit is trying to reprogram in you. Pay them back with a blessing. This is what God has done called you to do, and he will bless you for it. So, attack it. The last one is this. The worship team can come. Avoid it. Avoid it. Admit it. Attack it. Avoid it. Here's the guarantee. There will always be offense. Can I just make a promise to you? There will always be somebody or something in your life that's going to be offensive. Guarantee it. I guarantee that there will always be somebody or someone that's going to do something, that's going to say something, that's going to take something that will create an opportunity for the seed of bitterness to grow in your heart. It's always going to be there. If you're waiting for somehow that the life will always just get just right and it will work out, it's not going to happen. So somehow I've got to figure out how to avoid it versus thinking that somehow it's never going to happen. There will always be someone that tries to push your buttons. And the scriptures tells us that we should be preventative, preventive in dealing with bitterness. And the obvious way it is to stay close to grace, which I just said. Don't let blame or resentment or anger or animosity linger in your hearts. Don't let it happen. Here's, here's the key. Forgive quickly and forgive deeply. Forgive quickly and forgive deeply. In other words, when you start to even sense that this thing is happening... Hey, I'm going to forgive this because I don't want that growing in me. I don't want to miss out. I don't want to get caught up with this baggage of bitterness. I don't want to do that. So forgive quickly and deeply. Here's the scripture, Hebrews 12, 15, in the message, just what we read earlier but in a different version. It says, keep a sharp eye out for the weeds 
of bitter discontent. Keep a sharp eye out for the weeds of bitter discontent because it's a lot easier to be proactive with bitterness than to be reactive. Does this make sense? So let's close. Here's, here's my thought when I'm closing today. As I was praying before the service, here was my one thought. Is that the Lord is saying, hey, all you that are burdened, come to me and I'll give you rest. All the you that are burdened with something like bitterness or unforgiveness from maybe last week and they're kind of connected, he said, hey, come to me and I will give you rest. What's that mean? It means this. You come to me and I'll forgive you and I'll give you a brand new start. We'll, we'll together lay the bags down so that you can travel light. But you got to come. you got to kind of step up. Say, Lord, I admit that I've got some bitterness in my heart and I, I need to attack it with grace and I need to allow the Holy Spirit to reprogram my mind and I, I need to avoid it from here on out. That's me. How many of you would just raise your hand say, Pastor, that's me. I've got some burdens here in this area. Yeah, amen. Lord, I ask that every hand that was raised right now, that we would simply together admit it, attack it with grace, and avoid it from here on out. Have your way, God, as we come to you with our burden, that, God, you would give us rest and peace in relationship to you. Help us to do the same with those around us. In Jesus' name.